The Coach's Roundtable is brought to you by Between the Lines. Between the Lines offers online training with current minor league affiliates from the comfort of your own home through online technology. With their coaching, watch your skills and money increase due to no longer needing to drive to get training. For more information, go to betweenthelines.pro. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Coach's Roundtable Podcast. Today, I'm joined by some guests. They're going to break down all things baseball for us. But enough for me. Let's get to know the coaches that are on with us. And we'll start with you first, Coach Marquise. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to lately. Alrighty. Um, a little bit about myself from a small town called Danbury, Texas, um, where I was a part of some great teams. Um, state championship team in 2009, and from then on, ended up playing ball at Howard Payne University as a pitcher, um, and then uh, since then, since uh, my playing days were over, I've been coaching ever since, uh, started off at UT Tyler, um, moved on, Tyler All Saints, uh, went back home to Danbury, and then in between then, it's been summer ball, coaching some summer, uh, summer college leagues, 2015, and Albuquerque, New Mexico, 2016 in uh, Rochester, and then uh, really since then until uh, currently uh, coaching high school baseball and select ball. So Barry Christian is where I coach now, and then um, coaching with Hustle Baseball as well. So that's 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 basically uh, taking most of my time right now, and uh, as as well as work. So it's been it's been great. And we're also joined by Coach Van Wart, who's going to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to lately. Great to be on here. Um, my name is Coach Jake Van Wart. I am based out of the Indianapolis area. And uh, quarantine's been been a bit of, of uh, a difficult task for us, but um, we've, able, we've been able to kind of make everything work. So I actually coach a high school varsity team. Um, I run a 31-team baseball and softball travel organization out of the Indianapolis area, um, and then I run, uh, own and operate an indoor facility up here. So a lot of what we've been doing has been um, online work. Uh, we started a new company called Dugout Coalition that is really focused on online training of all six tools of baseball, including the brain, for players and coaches. So we've blasted out a coach's certification to a lot of organizations, and our big vision right now is although there's a lot of things going on, just trying to find ways to continue to improve and to continue to push towards our vision, um, no matter the things and the circumstances that are going on around us. So we've uh, we've been trucking, but it's definitely looked different than what it had in the past for sure. Awesome. We're gl- I'm glad to have you guys on. And so Coach Banward, if I were to ask you what's the craziest thing that you've ever witnessed at a baseball game, how would you respond? Man, there's, there's so many options, right? Like when you start doing the travel ball side, you see a lot of different things, both good and bad. And um, one of the craziest things I've seen was, was actually in the fall over here. There's a, a program in our area that is merging with a national program. And uh, the owner of that program was in their final game under their, their old team name. Uh, and I watched that coach get thrown out of the game and get followed by three of his players also getting thrown out so that the team had to actually forfeit. A 17U travel baseball team having to forfeit a game um, because they couldn't keep players in it. So that was very, very surprising based on the level of competition in that tournament and who it was and some of those things. But um, it was just a good reminder that 
we really do have to keep our emotions in check and understand um, how to carry ourselves character-wise and everything first. But you see a lot of examples of that. I think one of my favorite things to see um, is just high-level players that are either already committed or getting D1 looks. And when you watch them, they're still the one that's working the hardest on the field, sprinting to the bases, doing the little things right. I think you know that's what I would like to say is the most surprising is guys that are um, playing at a high level that are still doing the little things. But unfortunately, our game still has some of the negative things that uh, we're all very aware of as well. If I were to ask you, what is the craziest thing you've ever witnessed at a baseball game? How would you respond to that? Whenever you sent this question over, uh, I, I mean, obviously, I've seen a lot of baseball. Um, it, I, I really don't know what the craziest thing is, honestly. I think, uh, I think seeing, seeing some triple plays in college whether it's in the game or in practice and stuff, or, or inter-squads. Um, saw a few of those. Some crazy happens in baseball every day, and some people may not think it's crazy, but I guess, you know, to me, it's just the triple play was, was uh, something you don't see every day. All right, so now we're going to move into more of the baseball-specific questions, and we'll start with you first, Coach Marquise. Should we be spending more time improving the overall athleticism of a player or just primarily their baseball skills? Yeah, I think... Uh, when you're talking athleticism, um, you're talking, you know, being in the weight room, um, obviously gaining some muscle in your legs and core and stuff like that. And whenever you say athleticism or baseball skill, I mean, to me, my answer is always going to be both. Um, fall and off season, in season, you can develop in the weight room, in, in my opinion, and and um, getting some fast switch muscles and workout type stuff in there. Um, and baseball skill, you can get a ton of reps in, Every day, it, I mean, if if you're not on the field, if it, if it's just bouncing a tennis ball off the wall and working on your hand-eye coordination, that that helps a lot too. Um, and then, and obviously, in season, you're you're working in your pre-practice, doing the basics, um, ground balls, fly balls, stuff like that. Because when it comes down to it, you gotta um, do the little things right. And it's, if you're rep- repetitive and and doing that, I think you're you're in good shape. Um, my coach said earlier, uh, it's always good seeing the those commits and those big time guys um, doing the basics before every game. And you look at you look at pro guys. You look at uh, Carlos Correa is doing um, one hop drills on on his knees before game, before playoff game, and that's one of the best in the in the business. So um, if you're looking to looking to get better, it's 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 always going over the basics. So fall off season. Um, athleticism or baseball skills, um, you can, I think you can do both. And what about you, Coach B? What do you think? Should we be spending more time improving the overall athleticism of a player or just primarily their baseball skills? Great question, and, and I think asking it in general um, is difficult because we really got to look at the age group of the player as well. I think for the, the youth side, those young players, the 8s through 12s, um, the big thing there in my mind is athleticism. But you know, a lot of times we get this question of athleticism or baseball skill, and I think what we really try to do is bring those together because it's very possible to develop both athleticism and baseball skill if we sequence our drills properly and include the right constraints. For instance, we do a lot of um, athleticism work with medicine balls, angle weights, um, resistance bands, but the movements that we're asking our players to own are baseball movements, our prep step into our fielding position, but the way that we're working it with cones and different constraints is also improving overall athleticism. So 
I think really what we need to do as coaches is find a way to develop both to make sure that our young athletes are athletic enough to take on the level of skill that we're going to try to feed them as they do get older. And then as they get to a point where their athleticism is, is there and players can take ownership of the weight room and their own training at that type of age, um, then the training that we give them as coaches lends itself better to more individual skill work and um, routine work and the things that they can kind of take from the time with us um, and implement on their own on the field. But both are vital. Um, I would lean towards the athleticism side just for the younger age. Um, and I really think that that's the benefit of multi-sport athletes leading into high school is that their bodies are just more adept to actually doing the different movements and being an athlete on the field, learning how to compete um, in game and, and finding ways to win. Those are, are traits that you can't really teach in training and multi-sport athletes have an advantage at a young age in, in those categories. Great stuff, guys. And so I'll start this next question with you, Coach B, and it's this. If I were to come to one of, two of your practices, what are things I would see and could learn from? Yeah, what you would see is controlled chaos right now. Um, and what I mean by that is we're in the middle of our positional semester for, for our travel program. So we run two off-season semesters. We run a positional semester and a team semester. So right now, all 31 teams, they're, they're broken down into smaller categories by age groups. And we run sessions specifically to train them on the positions that they're going to play. So we have a corner infield, middle infield, outfield, base running, hitting, pitching, all the different sessions. Um, but if you walk in, sometimes there's 75 to 100 kids um, in our facility that are all working out at once. And if you don't know what you're looking at or haven't seen the plan, it can look chaotic. Um, but I think what you would really see once you looked at the practice plan and got into it is the intent of the drills being extremely clear to the players. And what I mean by that is we've found that to increase the level of development in a shorter amount of time for players, it's really important that they connect the way that their body is moving to the way that it feels in their mind. The idea that when we can connect brain and body into our action and use every aspect of who we are and be completely present in the moment, um, the movements become more natural and something that we can do. So what we do in the off season um, is we have a two to one ratio of what we call process versus result training or underload or overload versus underload. So first two drills that we would do are really focused on form, really focused on mechanics, really focused on connecting the brain to the, to the body and how everything feels with the third drill following just being straight competition. Um, and the purpose of that is we want to teach the information get it into the conscious mind of how a player is thinking, allow them to really work through their metacognition of thinking about the feel and thinking about their thinking. So that way, when we get into a game, it's not information overload um, or paralysis by analysis because we've been able to transfer that information from our conscious thought into routine and subconscious action. And I firmly believe that it's our job as coaches to train it in that way so that players do develop those um, those those routines for when they're actually alone on the field in a game. And what about you, Coach Marquise? If I were to come to one to uh, one of your practices, what are things I would see and could learn from? Yeah, kind of similar uh, to what Coach was saying earlier. Um, you know, we get with with us. We have your group sessions in the fall, um, working on form, working on mechanics. Um, a lot of one on ones or a group two, two to three uh, players. Just kind of working, working the basics, kind of what what they what they need to work on, and obviously we're playing in the fall too, so we can take from uh, from the games what they 
what they struggled at or what they were what they were good at and go to work uh, during the week from there. Um, so we have things like uh, hitting wise, we have we have the hit tracks and we have all that stuff. So they're able to see where the ball's traveling, what they need to do to get better, um, and then and then working from there. Um, we were saying uh, earlier, if it's got to be clear to the players, um, it's got to be a practice plan posted, uh, review, a lot of reviewing, going going over um, what they need to do um, at this time and and where they, what what group they need to be in at, at a certain time. So that's that's big too. And then I've, of course adding uh, competition at the end to, to get them uh, competitive and 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 be able to compete with each other and you know having fun with it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I'll start this next question with you, Coach Marquise, and it's how have you changed your coaching philosophy over the years that you've coached? Yeah, I guess uh, being in, in year seven, going on year eight, um, I think I'm always adding, not necessarily uh, changing, I think. Uh, adding philosophy-wise, I think growing in the game um, with, with more experience going to things like conferences and going to, and doing things like this, uh, hearing other coaches talk, it's, it's huge. And, uh, and being able to learn every day. So, um, building the philosophy, at, um, every year at, with, with experience, knowing your plan, knowing, knowing what you're doing, um, learning how to communicate with other coaches and, uh, and players. And I, I think every year you're learning something new every day and, and, thinking from the beginning like you know you don't have it all together I think it's a it's okay to uh accept that you have dumb ideas and and then move on from there and you're learning every day so that's that's the thing is is what I'm my philosophy is 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 knowing it's a hard game to play you know so respecting players and and learning from players every day as much as we're hoping that they would learn from us and what about you, Coach B? How have you changed your coaching philosophy over the course of your coaching career? I think, I think first and foremost, it's important to, when you start a coaching career, really any career, cast a vision of where you really want that to go and what that looks like for you. And, you know, for me, starting, we're, we're in year six of our travel program, and um, I'm in year eight as well of, of coaching high school baseball. And when you go in, you're this young gun that kind of wants to change the world, and you have all these big ideas. And um, the ideas don't go anywhere, but I think being able to learn from everybody that you interact with, whether it's something that you don't like that somebody does or something that you really like and figuring out how to kind of take um, from other people, but implement it in a way that works best for you in order to get you closer to whatever that vision is, is vital. So I think the biggest change has just been an overall confidence level in what we're doing. You know, when we started, we, we run... Um, the steel bases program for Matt Tallarico. And, you know, when we started and you have 13 year olds doing that, you're getting some guys picked off and they're learning the system. And, you know, once you stay the course and you start to see the positives that can come from that, um, it's really great reinforcement of what you're trying to build and the type of baseball that you're trying to play. So no matter what your philosophy or your style is, just be confident in who you are as a coach, be confident in where you're going, understand that you never know it all. And there's always more to learn. Um, and sometimes it's really okay to, you know, look at something that you've put in and realize that there's ways to make it better or that sometimes if it's not consistent with your vision, that it's okay to scrap it. And I think a lot of young coaches struggle with that because when it's your idea and you're trying to do something, you know, you're going to put your neck on the line for that. But 
At the same time, if your idea isn't impacting the most possible people in both the finite and infinite game, then we need to improve that idea. So being self-aware um, and reflective have kind of helped me get to the point that I am now. And I think as a coach, the number one thing that, that I've done that's really helped, I wouldn't even say change the philosophy, but really build that philosophy um, has been surrounding myself with other quality coaches that are going to challenge me in what I'm doing. Um, it's really easy when you're the lone wolf to feel like all of your ideas are great but when you have people that are challenging that and holding you accountable and bringing new ideas that's where you really start to grow as a coach because you have to start to decipher what information is good information and what you want to use and just because something is awesome doesn't mean that it's going to be awesome for everybody's philosophy or for every program there are things that don't work for each individual coach and figuring out who you are and your your identity being self-aware of that as a coach of how you can make the biggest impact um, i think is absolutely vital because we all have a slightly different voice and i think for young coaches it's really really important to start to find and figure out what that voice is and how you can use that as the biggest impact in your career we'll get into this next question i'll start with you again first coach b what are ways you guys develop your athletes in the off season yeah so I think the, the big thing for athletes in the off season is giving them a plan that they can follow because, you know, it, it seems to be presumed by a lot of people that these athletes know what they need to do to get ready for the next level. And that just isn't the case for a lot of these guys. Um, you know, if you ask a high school player what they're eating or what their macros are for the day, most of them have no idea what macronutrients are. Most of them don't really know what it looks like to truly have a rest and recovery day from a weightlifting week. They just think that that means sit on the couch and, and be off for the day. So I think, <clears throat> one, giving players the information and allowing them to take ownership of their offseason is huge. Um, but the biggest thing that we do on top of that is it's important for players to truly sit down and set goals and have an accountability partner that's going to help them reach that. Because once we cast that vision of where we want to go and it's public, um, our work ethic tends to start to match the goals that we have for ourselves. So. That's really step one is just preparing ourselves and cooking that meal so that we can really go and eat in the off season by preparing exactly what we want to do. And then the goal is just to match the work ethic in a way that um, it's consistent with the goals that we want. So, you know, for us, that's positional training for six weeks. That's team training for six weeks. Um, that's 15 hours of peak performance and growth mindset training for our players. Um, that's understanding our body language and its effects on our performance and really owning that side of the game before we get to the season. Um, and then really just understanding the difference in how we want to train based on time of year that right now we're really focused on our process. We're really focused on the little movements and the mechanics that are going to get, get us to the right point um, to be successful on the field in our athleticism. And as we get closer to the season from off season to preseason, our big shift is that we change our ratio from, two to one in process versus result training to one to one because our players, as they get into the season, what we've seen being in a cold state um, in the Midwest is our players are very, very skilled. But once you put them on a field, a lot of them don't know how to truly compete because they don't have to do that all winter. All they do is train. So we feel like it's our responsibility too to put them in positions to truly compete um, and give them practice in that setting as well. So that way when they're on the field, we tell them all the time, if you swing up, upside down backwards and blindfolded and you hit a home run, it still counts. So as much as mechanics and form and all of that are going to be preached in the off season, to some extent, we also have to let them know that just having a grittiness to get the 
job done and find a way to do it, no matter how ugly it works, um, is a skill that we want every single player to have. And that's a learned skill if you develop it properly in the offseason. And what about you, Coach Marquise? What are some ways that you guys develop your athletes in the offseason? Yeah, I guess uh, over at Barry Christian, a lot of our players are multi-sport guys. We have football guys, uh, basketball guys, track, swimming, soccer. You know, we got we got the, the works in, and, and obviously those first few weeks of baseball, we'll have a few guys missing. So the big thing is um, – being on the same page with other coaches, you know, seeing seeing what they're doing in the weight room, seeing what they're doing to, like Coach P said, gaining athleticism and, and those natural movements. And it really helps. Those multi-sport athletes are guys that, um, you know, are getting the job done when they're not on the baseball field because they're they're, they're hitting it hard and on the track and, and, uh, and uh, flexibility and work and stuff like that. Um, like, also, like you said, it's, we gotta give. We still gotta give a plan to follow. Um, they're not gonna figure it out on their on their own. Um, they they need they need someone to hold them accountable. Um, keep up with that athlete. See what see what they're doing. And, you know, not sitting on the couch just watching Netflix and stuff. But make sure making sure they're they're staying active. Um, keeping up with their their muscle gain, their weight gain, or loss and stuff like that. And making sure they're they're resting and recovering. Um, and then and then obviously the last thing is having those athletes take ownership, um, setting goals and, and keeping up with making sure, making sure they're, they're setting goals for themselves that how, how they can help the team in the, in, in the long run. And that's most importantly. And like coach said again, uh, keep them, keep them competing. They, they get on the field. They, they don't know how to beat. So like I said, that's, it's, it's really cool to have multi-sport athletes because they're competing the whole year. And so when they get on the field, it's nothing new in the spring mainly give them a plan to follow and, and communication with uh, with other coaches that they're that they're with during the year. And we're going to wrap up the podcast right here, and I want to thank you guys for both coming on. And so we'll start this question with you first, Coach Marquise. What is something that a coach listening to this podcast could take away from you as a coach and your philosophy? Yeah, a big thing in, in the philosophy is, uh, is obviously communication with the players. Um, you don't know how they think. Sometimes uh, we got we to gotta think back to when we were players because this is a hard game. So um, hard game to play, and we don't know what they're going through mentally or at home and stuff like that. So um, each player is different. Um, you're, it, don't treat all players the same um, when it comes to training and stuff like that. It's the, you don't want that cookie-cutter cookie mentality. Um, and... And I, the big thing is remember your why. Like, why, why are you here? Why uh, why are you coaching? Um, and and wake up every day with with some sort of goal to set. Um, the you 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 want to get the most out of your players as a coach. So go into each and every day the players wanting to get the most out of you. And I think that's a big thing. Just arriving with enthusiasm, not being not getting down on yourself, making you know making bad plays and stuff like that. You don't want your players doing that. So as a coach, you got to be the calmest heartbeat at times. Um, I've heard other coaches say that before, and it's so true. Um, in, the, in, the hectic, in the hectic times, you know, last uh, but not least, obviously not uh, make sure you're always having a plan. Go, don't, don't roll up to practice or, or, or a game, not having a, a game plan, a practice plan. On paper, typed up, you know, nice and neat. Communication with coaches and players is, is, is the biggest thing I could take away from from my eight years of high school and college ball, 
um, communication is, is the biggest thing to me. We're going to wrap up this episode right here with you, Coach B. What is something that a coach listening to this podcast could take away from you as a coach and your philosophy? Yeah, when you look at, at philosophy and, and really what you can take, I think there's a couple of things. Number one, um, it's important that you develop your philosophy and you're unapologetic about who you are, but you're also very, very good at sharing that vision of where you're going um, with the players, the families, the coaches, everybody else that's involved with you or your program. Um, I think being able to cast a clear vision and get people who are like-minded on board um, is extremely vital in the process because you don't want to be midway through the season and figure out that you have players or coaches that have a different vision um, than what you've set for that team or for that season. So being able to communicate that vision is important. And then being able to check yourself against that vision with everything that you're putting in. Like if there's a drill, it might be good, but if it doesn't um, end up consistent with the vision that you've set for the team, then it's probably not a drill that you really need to be doing. So it allows yourself the checks and balances, which I think is vital. But um, I think when you do that, it opens up a ton of opportunities for you to really use the finite game to impact the infinite game of players, to teach them how to be a productive citizen, how to be an adult, um, how to demonstrate the right amount of responsibility to actually be on time and to do the things that you're wanting and to reinforce the things that they can do now to prepare themselves to be a good person rather than just a good player. And there's a lot of those things that, you know, we talk all the time about the idea that we don't know what their home life is or where they go after practice and all of that. So what we do know is that a lot of these kids have two hours a day with you at practice. And that's one of the only things that every single player in that group will have, right? They all have a different home life. They all have different responsibilities and different hurdles to overcome. So what we do in those two hours will make an impact on what they do in the outside 22 hours. So really utilizing your voice, um, knowing that, you know, yes, we want to win games, but at the end of the day, we want to impact players for a bright future and figuring out how to use the competitiveness of, you know, a win or lose sport to impact the future, I think is, is absolutely huge. And if there's coaches who are really, really good at baseball, but they lack the knowledge and understanding of how to relate to players and really impact that side of it, that's where we need to grow because that's where you're going to have the biggest impact as a coach. We can learn and we can teach the baseball side of things, but it's very, very difficult to teach somebody how to really want to and have a desire to impact others. So do it for the right reasons. Be there for the kids. Utilize the way that you model everything, your nutrition, the way that you live and you eat and you work and you do all of those things in a manner that um, is something that the players can look up to. Um, and it models the expectations that they're going to have. I think when we start to live consistently with our philosophy is when players start to buy into our philosophy. So I think that's the biggest thing is just being able to model what you're asking players to do in your life, because not only are they going to listen to you, but they're going to watch what you do and repeat what you do. So living above reproach in that sense is one of the most important things that you can do as a coach and take from kind of what we do at the baseball and fast pitch academics Midwest side. That wraps it up for the Coaches Roundtable podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. If you would be interested in being part of an episode yourself, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Coach Crato, K-R-A-T-O. Thank you.